Welcome to Where There Is Hope. Here we offer inspiration and encouragement from the Bible. With Travis Renfro, I'm John Lindsay. We're glad you're here. All right, John, I have a question. Where do you go in Scripture whenever you are discouraged or are needing um, a pick-me-up? Typically the Gospels. Yeah, I think a lot of people give that same answer. Uh, the Gospels are a great source of inspiration, a great source of hope, and just a lot of, obviously, a lot of rich depth that you can find in the Gospels. But sometimes when you're, when you're wanting something like that and you don't have time to read the Gospel of John or the Gospel of Luke or, or to go searching for just that right scripture, there's a little bit of a cheat. There's a small uh, four-verse section of scriptures in Titus chapter 3 that I call the mini-gospel. And I want us to look at that this morning. So what we're looking at is Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. And I'll just read through this. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So a whole lot of the gospel message, which, you know, is Jesus came to save us from our sins, died a sacrifice for us, and was resurrected. A lot of that is baked into just these four verses. So what is it about hearing that message that gives you hope? Um, well, I mean, if you look at the gospel, the, the um, message of the gospel is that God loves us, man sins, and God has sent his son to take care of us and to wipe that sin away. And this, this four-verse summary right here really does summarize that message. Um, when the goodness and loving kindness of, our, of God our Savior appeared, um, makes me think of, you know, God has always been good. And we've seen that his creation has been good from the beginning, and it's sin that has tainted things. And we we see the impact of that as uh, throughout the, the Bible and the way that it manifests itself with the coming of Jesus in the in the gospel. Yeah, I think you've hit on something that, that you know, God has always been good. And, and I think too often we look at Old Testament stories and think God is, is harsh or, or jealous. And, you know, God is a jealous God, but there are also wonderful examples of God's love and patience uh, in the Old Testament. And in fact, the entire Old Testament story is, is a real... Um, Testament. Oh, now you've got me doing it. Uh, <laughs> it's a real testament to God's patience and how He was He was willing to wait uh, and suffer while the children of Israel, you know, came to Him and left Him and came to Him and left Him and, and so forth and so on. So God has always been good, but there's something different, uh, you know, when the gospels uh, when the gospel story takes off, and you've hinted at that. That really happens that really changes when Jesus comes. Like the goodness and loving kindness of God has always been there, but now it's different. Um, and what's the difference between the goodness and loving kindness we see in Old Testament 
versus what we see through Jesus? Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's different. Um, we see that in the Old Testament they had a, um, a, a law. They had conditions they had to meet um, and all kinds of stuff that came with that. Um, it was, it was um, not as forgiving as the, the New Testament that we see. Um, it came through different terms. You know, animal, animal sacrifices were the main way of forgiveness, and they didn't really provide any kind of pure forgiveness. It was just a, a um, replacement. You know, every day they'd kill an animal to account for the things they'd done. And in the New Testament, we could see that's, that's completely different. Um, and that forgiveness comes through Christ's sacrifice. Yeah, I'm I, not sure I'm getting at what you're hinting at here. <laughs> I don't know that I was hinting at anything in particular. Um, but I do agree that moving from the sacrificial system to the, the one-for-all sacrifice of Jesus is, is a game-changer. And as you mentioned, Old Testament sacrifices were you know, part of God's plan and useful and good, but they were not sufficient to in comparison with Jesus. Jesus is that permanent sacrifice. He's the one that can really provide salvation from sin instead of just a, you know, one year or so pushback of, of punishment. So, yeah, the goodness and loving kindness of God really appears in Jesus. Uh, and that's the real game changer. And then it goes on to say in verse 5 that he saved us, you know, talking about um, the work that Jesus did. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. And there's a lot just in that verse. But in particular, I want to talk about at first this idea that it's not done by, uh, not because of works done by us in righteousness. So what do you get out of that, uh, that phrase that Paul chooses to use here? Uh, to me, that means there's nothing I can do where I can earn uh, salvation. Because he's saying, we're not the ones who save ourselves. God's the one who saves us. And um, that, that's, a, that's a difficult concept because we see, uh, I wouldn't say battling concepts presented in, uh, in James, for instance. But... It, it takes a lot of humility to realize that it's not in your hands and, um, you know, you, you can't, you know, often, and this is a little bit of a tangent, but often um, when you feel that you've made a mistake, you want to work to get rid of that mistake. And this is saying that God's the one who decides um, the, the... Sort of the terms... Yeah, yeah, the terms of forgiveness, and um, it, it's in his hands, and he, he is loving and merciful, and we should be thankful for that, but we have to realize that no amount of us trying to work off our sin will will actually work it off without him. Yeah, you, know, you what you said made me think, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a control freak. I don't like uh, ceding control to people over different things. Um, I've always thought that's probably a reason I don't like amusement park rides. I don't. I can't control the speed. I can't control uh, any of the factors, and it, it freaks me out. Um, you know, I like to drive that sort of thing. 
And I think oftentimes I'm comforted by being in control. I trust myself. But when it comes to salvation, when it comes to trying to do something about my sinful state, I am much more comforted by the idea of an all-knowing, all-loving, all-powerful God being in charge of that than I am with myself being in charge of it. Yeah, I kind of have the same same problem sometimes. Um, and it's it's difficult to... It's, so for me, I'm a, I'm a perfectionist. So when I know I can do a job the way I want it done, I'm going to do it. And it's very difficult for me to let someone else take care of it knowing that they probably won't meet my standards or they won't know exactly the way that I want it done so seeding it's like you just said seeding that that um, handing it over knowing that God has done it perfectly and understanding there's no there is no perfect point that I can hit with the way that I act where um I can achieve righteousness. You know, God has defined the terms. Yeah, I think the, the thing that's so comforting about the way that this is worded here is that it's according to his own mercy, and then knowing enough about Scripture to know what that means. John 3.16 tells us what that level of God's mercy is, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. If that's his level of mercy, then I can trust in that, and I can feel comfort in that. Um, and when it's not because of my works, and, and we could go on and talk about how our works still matter, and there are re- there are places for that, but I, I don't think this episode's yeah. the point to go into that. But knowing that it's that it's by God's standard of mercy, and not by the works that I can achieve or anything, I could never work off the debt. But God said, "I'm willing to give everything to take care of your debt for you." Uh, that's incredibly comforting to me. Yeah, and that's really fulfilled by this next part in this verse, right? The washing says, by, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. And what do you, what do you take that to mean? I, I think there's, there's a tremendous amount to talk about when we talk about the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, particularly in the New Testament. But I think the new, for me, the biblical concept of what the Holy Spirit does uh, from Old Testament on through is it gives life. There are examples in the book of Ezekiel and and promises in Isaiah uh, about the Spirit being poured out and providing life to, you know, the Valley of Dry Bones in Ezekiel, for example, is a great great, um, illustration of what the Holy Spirit does. So for us, in terms of our own individual salvation that we have through Jesus, the Holy Spirit makes us different. It's not just... A rehab project. We're not becoming better versions of ourselves. Um, I think it's C.S. Lewis that says something to that effect. We're not becoming better humans. Uh, We're becoming something altogether different. We're becoming godly. And it takes the Spirit of God to do that. So we're being regenerated, we're being renewed because we're being reborn uh, into a totally different being that has eternal consequence um, and has the ability to be in God's presence eternally. Um, that's a very, very <laughs> inept and brief ex- explanation of what the Holy Spirit does. Um, what do you think about when you read that that phrase? Um, well, uh, 
you were bringing that up, and I thought about um, Acts 2 when we see the Holy Spirit come upon the apostles. And they are completely different people, right? Um, and I don't mean to keep pushing through this, but I think this really pairs well with the next the next statement that he makes in this is that he poured out on us richly. He, he poured this out on us richly. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I think of how he's done that, I, I think it, it combined with the mercy that we just evaluated um, is really manifested through God's love, how he overwhelmingly has just forgiven us of things and um, I think you really, you really said something good there. That he, it's a, it's a changing in us. It's a, I think of um, John chapter three when he's talking to Nicodemus and he talks about being born again. Mm-hmm. Um, being born again is not something that, that, we easily can conceive because it's like becoming a new person. Um, you know, you can imagine everything you've ever known is reset. Um, so yeah it was certainly hard for Nicodemus to comprehend that um, you know that, that whole conversation in John 3 when he says I'm supposed to go back in my mother's womb and Jesus says you, you, you're very much he, Jesus didn't say that this is my paraphrasing no you don't understand like yeah. it's not something it's not even something that simple it's actually much grander than that um, and I, I appreciate that you brought this out in verse 6 uh, that the Holy Spirit is poured out on us richly. Um, you and I have discussed before that it's not a trickle. It's not, uh, it's not a sprinkle. The Holy Spirit there, it's an, and I like the word you used, it's almost overwhelming um, how God pours mercy out on us and pours the Spirit out on us. And it's incredible. And that all is accomplished uh, through Jesus, our Savior, um, amazing to to consider uh, it's one of those ver- this is one of those verses uh, this one of these sections of verses that I think lends itself really well to meditation read these four verses and then just think about what that says mm-hmm. and that should over if it doesn't give you goosebumps then think about it again because you're not considering it properly I think hey, and if you think of the other words that could have been used there when we look at that word specifically um, could it you know I think of kind of the opposite is portioned he portioned out you know that's not what it says um so just the contrast between portioned and poured yeah you could look at all these verses and think you know god gave to each according to their deeds well there's there's the biblical idea that everyone gets according to their deeds but it's not talking about mercy um to some he gave a little bit of mercy and to others he gave more That'd be terrifying because I, I would I feel like I would certainly be on the end that didn't get a whole lot of mercy, uh, or maybe I would be getting a whole lot because I need a whole lot. Um, and and I think that's the you know kind of driving us off course a little bit, but I think that's the concept that is really taught by Jesus when he teaches them about prayer in uh, the Sermon on the Mount mm-hmm. in Matthew when he talks about forgiveness and he says when you forgive others um, don't come asking for forgiveness unless you've forgiven the other people in your life so um, and you know he's told parables about this as well but 
when we think about how we treat other people, do we pour out forgiveness on them? You know, I know this is a bit of a stretch here, but do we pour out forgiveness on others and uh, treat them with love? Or do we restrict it and we say some some people I, I give a little bit of forgiveness and others I give a lot because I understand their circumstances more or, you know, whatever. But back on course, I'm sorry. No, no, I think I think that's an excellent point. And, and maybe that's a future episode when we think about the level of forgiveness that we are. I don't want to say required because, I mean, I think there's a certain level of requirement, but that we're blessed to be able to give. Uh, Anytime I think that we can mimic Jesus, and as dimly as we can do it, that's a wonderful and a, a wonderful thing and a blessing. So I think that that's probably something to consider at another time. But I think it's amazing um, thinking about even the most forgiving and gracious person that you know. They have limits to their forgiveness, mm-hmm. and what God says is, "There are no limits to my forgiveness. I will pour this out on you richly." So, as you said, we, we, we probably need to push on. So let's look at verse 7. It says, So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And I think this is where uh, I mean, the word hope is in here, right? And, and there's a reason for that. For the believer, for the follower of, of Jesus, for the Christian, this is the hope that we're justified, again, not because of what we've done, but because of his grace, his abundant grace, so that we become heirs. I want to just take a moment to think about that word. When you think about Paul telling Titus and and really telling us through this letter that we become heirs according to the hope of eternal life, can you even put that into words uh, for what that means to you? Well, an heir is someone who receives an inheritance from from the, uh, the predecessor, in this case, the king. And I think another way you can think of it is that we've been adopted into the family of God to receive his, um, his uh, what's, the, what's the word, inheritance, which is the hope of eternal life. Um, <clears throat> and what does that mean to me? I think it means that when, on a personal level, I think it means that when I die, I will be resurrected to see him and uh, be with him forever. Now, what does that look like? I don't think that's the, that's not in the, the scope of what we're talking about right now. But um, what does that mean to you? Uh, I think you hit on the, on the key word, and the key word is resurrection, that, um, you know, Jesus, as you refer to, um, is resurrected, never to die again. Uh, the first instance of that, is, the scripture refers to it as the first fruits. Um, and that's a very important term because it means that he's not the last. And so when we're heirs, you know, and other scriptures say that we're co-heirs with Christ, which is an incredible thing to consider. All the blessings that Jesus receives for being the Son of God, living a perfect life, offering himself for the rest of creation— we somehow get spliced into that. Um, and what is the greatest bargain in all of history, that if you will love and obey the Lord, that you get all this stuff that Jesus gets. 
uh, as far as being resurrected and to live eternally with God the Father. It's mind-blowing. It's incredibly humbling because we certainly don't deserve it, and there's nothing we could ever do to deserve it. But as the point of this this podcast is, that's tremendous hope, Uh, and it's hope that can't be shaken by things that go wrong. Um, And I'm not saying that Christians walk around in just this, um, you know, unending feeling of joy and happiness and we're always smiling that's not that's not reality uh, life is still difficult things are still hard and, and sadness is still real but that hope when I can fix my eyes on what is to come is never shaken and that's that's the hope of, of eternal life that Paul's talking about in my opinion yeah and I believe Paul even I believe it's Paul and unfortunately I don't know where it is uh, but he brings up, uh, no, it's not Paul, it's Jesus, instantly remembered. Um, Jesus brings up that the hope of eternal life is something that even the devil can't take away from you. Mm-hmm. Um, the devil can, you know, people on this earth and the devil can torture you, your physical body, uh, but all they can do is kill you. They can't take away that hope. So this is something that no one can take away. The only person who can take it away is you. Yeah, amen. And that's that. That's the the thing, right? Um, what makes it hard? What what drives us into despair? Often is forgetting that. Uh, and and I think that is the tool that Satan uses, is just to get us to take our eyes off of Jesus to forget for a moment what the promises are and how sure they are. Uh, and when we forget that, then yeah, we do, we do get down. We do get shaken. But thankfully, you know, we have a church family. We have, we have the scriptures. We have prayer. All sorts of things that give us those boosts um, to remind us who we are because God chose us and called us through his son. So... There is a sureness there. We just have to remember it. Great points. All right, anything in wrap-up that you want to say before we close this first episode out? No, uh, I think this is a good basis for us to start off this podcast, uh, which is called Where There Is Hope. Thank you for joining us where there is hope. It is our goal to share the hope and joy that we find in scriptures with you. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave us a review. You can email us at wtihope at gmail.com. Lamentations 3.24, the Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him.